Hey, my name is Matt Poole, and this is Unapologetically Catholic, the podcast where we dive into the different doctrines, dogmas, and beliefs of the Catholic faith to help explain why I personally am unapologetically Catholic and why I think that you should be too. In this week's episode, I have a special guest. Uh, I have the priest of the parish that my family and I goes to, uh, Father Gaurav Shroff. He is actually the priest who welcomed me into the church a couple years ago now, but uh, we sat down and we had a conversation about what it means for the priest to act in persona Christi Capitus. Uh, I think I'm saying that really, I don't speak Latin, so, uh, <laughs> and if you do, then you probably can tell that I don't speak Latin, but anyways, it basically means uh, the priest acting in the place of Christ the head. So. You know, sometimes as a Protestant, I'd hear things like, well, you know, the the priest turns into Jesus. They think that the Catholics think that priests magically transform into Jesus himself during the mass. And um, that's not what goes on. So I thought, who better to ask about this than a priest who does this on a regular basis? Um, so we go into what does it mean? What does it not mean? Uh, and a, a little bit of how, you know, even being in the person of Christ kind of bleeds over to more than just priests and deacons, even into the faithful. Um, so that's this week's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Make sure that if you don't already, if you have Instagram, follow us on Instagram at unapologetically Catholic pod. And if you have any questions about this week's episode or any other episodes you've heard in the past or any episodes you want to hear about in the future, send them to me either on Instagram or through email uh, at unapologeticallycatholicpod at gmail.com. But with that, let's get into it. Okay. All right. Well, Father G, thank you for being here. Um, I appreciate you coming out. I know you're really busy, so... I've... It's great. It's great to be here. Yeah. I managed to escape for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and we're always happy to have you here, too. Um, but, yeah, so I, this week I thought it would be good to talk to you about uh, what does it mean to act in persona Christi? Because as a Protestant, I can remember, you know, when we would hear something like that, I, I remember being taught, um, all those Catholics believe that when the priest is up and he's saying the words of consecration, he is perfect and holy and spotless, just as Jesus, Jesus is. Um, like, you become Jesus, more or less, like some through some magical... Kind mystical of, kind of a thing. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you transform into Jesus when you're saying the words of consecration. So I thought it'd be good to kind of dive into that. What does that mean? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. That's interesting. You know, it's almost like the way you talk about it, it's like you're describing what we believe happens to the elements, to bread and wine through the process that the church is called transubstantiation. Um, yeah, no, I don't get transubstantiation into Jesus <laughs> at Mass. Um so I'm just going to read from the catechism first. Yeah. Um, so this is paragraph 1548. But the phrase that you were talking about, and it's, it's come, come down to us in two ways. The standard sort of way coming back from tradition is in persona Christi, which is Latin for in the person of Christ. And the Second Vatican Council uh, specifically qualified that in persona Christi capitis, which means in the person of Christ, the head of the church. Um as opposed to the whole Christ, um, this idea that comes from the fathers and comes from the scriptures, that Christ is the head of the church and the church is his body. And so we are his body, all of us. 
And so specifically referring to Christ's headship and the priests and, and the bishops um, participation in that. So this is paragraph 1548 of the Catechism in the ecclesial service of the ordained minister. It is Christ himself who is present to his church as head of his body, shepherd of his flock, high priest of the redemptive sacrifice, teacher of truth. This is what the church means by saying that the priest, by virtue of the sacrament of holy orders, acts in persona Christi capitis, in the person of Christ, the head. Um, so it's referring to the ecclesial service of the ordained minister. So there's two parts to this, one of which is that the person, the, the priest, in a sense, in his ordination and in his freedom, I think one way of thinking about it, he lends himself, gives himself totally to Christ. Mm-hmm so that he can be an instrument, right? so that he can be used as Christ sees fit, specifically for the purpose of teaching, sanctifying, and governing the people. Um, that's the role that the apostles had, and the bishops have, and the priests share in that, in that ministry, teaching, sanctifying, and governing. Now, this does not mean that every time I speak, it is Christ who is speaking. Right. There are certain times where it might be so, especially for bishops. Um, specifically, though, there are certain times in the celebration of the sacraments that this is a guarantee of the efficacy of the sacramental act so that it's not the priest, maybe as a representative of the people, as the appointed head of the people, you know, sort of like a, like, you know, a, a club a country club, a rotary society, any kind of group might elect like, okay, hey, you're going to be the officers who will like, you know, do certain things, bring the meeting to order and so on. Right. Um, and I, I believe in some versions of Protestantism, that might be the idea um, yeah. of, of the role of the elder or the pastor or minister or whatever ter- term they might use. Um, whereas here, this is something that's, this is a role instituted by Christ. And it's as if Christ is present um but not in the same way like with the bread and wine right it's not right. his true presence not his substantial presence um it's a sacramental presence that guarantees that the sacramental act is christ's act yeah right so for instance at mass um i do not say or the priest does not say when when at the at the most solemn moment of the mass the 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 consecration um, or the words of, when in the words of institution are said, does not say he took bread and said, this is Christ's body, right? As if I'm narrating it about Christ, right? It changes from the third person to the first person. Mm-hmm. So he took bread, um, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body. So that's not my body per se as Father Gorov Shroff or Father James or Father whoever. Right. It's Christ. Those words are Christ's words being spoken by the priest as an instrument. Right. Yeah. That that's something. It, well, the more that I've looked into this, especially when I was studying, I, I can remember back the pastors that I would sit under in the Protestant churches. A lot of times they would pray before they gave the sermon, mm-hmm. and they would say something very similar to if not verbatim lord use me as an instrument to to bring your word to your people um 
So it 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 sounds like it's very it's, similar. Yeah. The 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 difference I would say the sacramentality both of the priest as a sacrament because he is ordained um, with the sacrament of holy orders, which guarantees mm-hmm. the presence of Christ's headship continuing in the church right. in every generation. Um, just as baptism guarantee, guarantees Christ's presence in the church and in the world. Yeah. Right. So that is the baptized, the redeemed. We are the extension um, of Christ's presence in a very real way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in as much as we are cooperating with him, in as much as we are, uh, you know, acting in docility to the Holy Spirit, and we're disciples, and we want to do His will. You know, it's not there's nothing automatic or perfunctory about that. Right? Yeah. Whereas with the Sacrament of Orders, there is a, a a greater guarantee, if you will, that in those specific moments, no matter what the priest himself, uh, what state he might be in, if the priest has committed mortal sin, for instance. That does not if affect the efficacy of the act, right? Because it's not the priest's power. In that moment, especially, it's Christ's power, right? Like you said, it's it's Christ working through you. Correct. So there's no, you you're not a transformed like you're not right. magically transformed into a perfect person so that Christ can work through. Correct. You. I mean, you see all through the scripture, people works through fallen, sinful, yes, terrible people all mm-hmm. through scripture. Absolutely. So it can be the same way. It is, here. yeah. It is the same way. And so the same thing, especially, and so the two places where this is um, uh, most most visible or audible is at the consecration at Mass, mm-hmm. um, but also at um, uh, when uh, the priest gives absolution. Right. He, there's the formula where we basically go through a little bit of salvation history. God the Father of mercy through the death and resurrection of his Son has reconciled the world to himself and poured out the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins. And then... It changes to the first person where the priest says, I absolve you. It's not Father Gorov right. who is absolving you. It is Christ working through whichever priest it might be who's absolving you. So those are the words of Christ. And it's a guarantee and an assurance, really, to the faithful that what I have received is truly the power of God, the grace of God, and the effects that the sacrament is supposed to have will indeed take place as long as I'm properly disposed. Yeah. So that's the that's the the reason why, if you will, or that's the purpose of this particular aspect of, of uh, the church's teaching. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to continue. The Catechism quotes from a beautiful encyclical on um, on the liturgy by uh, Pope Pius the Twelfth called Mediator Day, and Mediator Day was actually very inf- instrumental in um, in the first. Uh, document of the Second Vatican Council on the Reform of the Liturgy. It is the same priest, Christ Jesus, whose sacred person his minister truly represents. Now the minister, by reason of the sacerdotal consecration which he has received, sacerdotal means priestly, is truly made like to the high priest and possesses the authority to act in the power and place of the person of Christ himself. Christ is the source of all priesthood. The priest of the old law was a figure of Christ, pointed to Christ. And the priest of the new law acts in the person of Christ. Um, So that's specifically as to the priest. A couple of clarifications to be made that have have come come down. The the Second Vatican Council talked about the headship of the, of the, in person of Christ, the head, and referred to 
bishops and priests as participating in that. There's one sacrament of holy orders, which is in three grades, deacon, priest, and bishop. Um, and when theologically, legally, canonically, the word priest is used, sacerdos, um, that refers to bishop and priest, bishop and presbyter. Um, when the word kleros, clergy, is used, um, that refers to a deacon or a priest or a bishop. So cleric is different from a sacerdos, a priest. Um, and then you have three grades, which are really technically deacon, presbyter, and bishop. Um, and in 2009, Pope Benedict XVI uh, issued a motu proprio, which is a particular kind of a instrument by which he uh, modified the church's law to clearly reflect this teaching. The deacons do not participate in the, as person of Christ, the head. Okay. Only presbyters and bishops, priests and bishops do. Hmm. So that a deacon does not have the power to act sacramentally in the same way that um, a priest does. Um, that was made very clear. Um, and, um, and so it's, it's still one sacrament, three grades, and deacons represent really, in a sense, Christ's servanthood. Right. That they are there. The word diakonos means servant. Um, they're there to to serve the people to be especially signs of his charity. Yeah. Um, now, it doesn't mean that the priest isn't a servant or a bishop isn't a servant. We're like, we're done with that now. Right. <laughs> um, and in fact, um, the Holy Father sort of shows that um, when in... Um, you know, on Holy Thursday during the, the Mass, there's the option of having the rite of where the celebrant, the priest, will, will go down on his knees in imitation of Christ and wash the feet of 12, it used to be 12 men, now it could be 12 people, uh, men or women. Um, and Pope Francis has had a very particular way of doing this where he, it used to be done at the Vatican, right? In, in a solemn Holy, Holy Thursday Mass at St. Peter's. But since his first year, he's gone out to prisons. He says mass in the prison, and he will invite the prisoners, and he will wash their feet. Hmm. And when he does that, he wears the stole of a deacon to oh. emphasize that um, Christ is um, Christ is the servant. And so that diaconal stole is really the servanthood of Christ. He came to serve. Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. 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 That's um, I. You know, as you, when you're reading that quote from the Catechism, I just was thinking back to. You know, when you look at the Old Testament and you see the high priest would be the one who would offer the sacrifice Correct. for the people. Right. Well, you know, that's it. it and, and then sometimes I will hear the argument, you know, oh, well, the scripture says this comes from the Protestant mm -hmm. side of things that will say, well, Christ is our great high priest. So we have no more need for any more priest or mm -hmm. anyone like that who's who, who is offering a sacrifice on our behalf. But I, I think that there's a distinction that's in important to remember it, like you we've said it's christ is the high priest you, you and all your other priest brothers are are servants that and, christ is working and for. we participate right. in christ's priesthood right and so i think um the the idea that the church has is that christ's incarnation was not a one-time thing right it continues in every age mm -hmm. and the church is the instrument she is the sacrament, the sacrament par excellence of Christ. And what is a sacrament? It is an invisible 
It is an outward sign of an invisible reality, and it makes present the thing it represents. Right. And so the church makes present Christ in different ways. And then within that one sacrament, and you know, we can, the council actually does, um, the Second Vatican Council talks about Christ as the sacrament of God, of the Father. Like he reveals the Father, and the church reveals Christ. Um, and then within that, you have these seven channels of sacramental grace, mm -hmm. which are the seven sacraments. And you could even extend this metaphorically further. And I would say that um, every person who's baptized into Christ and has the potential of being another Christ. Yeah. Of being another Christ. Um, and, and, and make present Christ's priesthood, Christ's prophetic ministry and Christ's kingly ministry. Um, so we are all, the whole priestly people, the whole, all the people are baptized into Christ um, and they become priest, prophet, and king. Right. Um, and so there's the priesthood of all the believers, which is a Catholic doctrine um, that was reaffirmed in recent years. Um, and within that, you have the ordained ministry, um, which is a priesthood that is a very specific role and comes with a very specific power which is really to make Christ present sacramentally, um, and in the Eucharist especially, his real presence. Um, so I think th these are ways in which Christ doesn't... He, so this Christ is not a figure found in a book. Right. He's, not a, he's not a great hero from, like, you know, some, like someone you'd read about, like from the myths. Um, he's not a historical figure like, like George Washington or anyone else. Yeah, like he had his time, now his time is done. Right. Now everything else is... Right. So, no, Christ lives. Yeah. He lives at the right hand of the Father, and the Holy Spirit ensures in his church that Christ, continue, the incarnation continues. Yeah. Um, that is what... The, the, this is a uniquely, I think, Catholic and Orthodox um, Eastern view that the church continues the incarnation of Christ throughout time. Yeah. And I, that's, you know, that's something that I can remember back when I was a Protestant, they would say as well, you know, cause like the, I don't remember where it is in the Bible, but it talks about, you know, um, well, now I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> but it, it, where it talks about, you know, uh, you get, where did we do these things for you? Uh, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. That you know, you can see Christ in every, each and every person that you mm -hmm. you interact with. Right. And you know, I, I they would talk about when I was a Protestant that when you're you're baptized. Well, as as a Baptist, they would say when you're saved because Correct. there sure. it is. You get saved, mm -hmm. quote unquote, and mm -hmm. then you get baptized. Right. But they would say, you know, you're you're priest, prophet, and king now. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, as a Protestant, it didn't really make much sense. Like, I kind of understood, but there was no real, there's nothing to hang that on to, mm -hmm. you know. Like, it was kind of like, oh, well, I'm priest, prophet, and king, so that means I'm special. Right. But now, you know, in the Mass, even as just a lay person, I understand that in the Mass, we are coming to the one-time sacrifice that Jesus made. And I'm not just there to participate and watch the show, or I'm not just there to watch the show. Correct, you're I, not a spectator. Yes, I, right. I am there to actively participate um, in the mass, um, and in the, it, so my the fact that I've been baptized priest, prophet, and king 
comes more alive. Now I have something to hang that on to. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good way of putting it. I think there's two other things one can say about this, about the incarnation. And I think uh, maybe our Protestant brothers and sisters, they would, they would, you know, like St. Paul says, that, you know, faith comes from hearing, right? Right. Uh, and, and that's why, you know, it says, who is going to, how are they going to be saved? How are they going to hear if no one is sent? So there's yeah. this idea that Christ sends, mm-hmm. right? He's sent. And he didn't send just once. He sends. Right. Um, and that sending continues because faith in the Christian view, in the Jew- Jewish Christian view, is not something that one produces by going inwards, introspection, and coming to a different level of different kind of human consciousness called enlightenment, nirvana, nibbana, like, like the Eastern views um, there are, right? Like the Buddha went under a tree and meditated and realized the, 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 the nature of illusion, of maya, um, and came to a higher consciousness. And that's, I'm sure Buddhists could disagree with the particulars of that. That's my very, very vague understanding. But the tendency is introspection in a way, mm-hmm. whereas we're, we're religion of revelation, and so God comes in, breaks in. He breaks into us, um, comes into our horizon. He comes down to us. He becomes flesh, and from we do not produce that ourselves. Right, right. And so um, this is this is uh, also the Catechism, paragraph eight seventy five. No one can bestow grace on himself. And grace is what saves. Right, we're saved by grace. Grace is the participation in God's life that transforms us um, from enemies into into sons and daughters. Um, that elevates our fallen human nature. That heals it, and that ultimately transforms it, makes it makes us apt, makes us ready uh, for our union with God, right? So no one can bestow grace on himself. It must be given and offered. And I think our Protestant brothers and sisters, as well as we, we would agree that this is true. This is why we have someone who has to go and preach the word, right? right? The proclamation of the word brings about, a, has a certain power. It invites people to conversion, to repentance, to acknowledge reality, and we would say there's word and sacrament. And in fact, the word has sacramental qualities too. Right? But yeah. that's a separate conversation. The fact that no one can bestow grace on himself presupposes ministers of grace authorized and empowered by Christ. Authorized? So that means you know it's not just anybody. Right. And empowered. They have a capability that is given to them. A power that's given to them. From him, Christ, bishops and priests receive the mission and faculty, sacred power, sacra potestas, to act in persona Christi Capitis, the person of Christ the head. Deacons receive the strength to serve the people of God in the diaconia, service of liturgy, word, charity, in communion united with bishops and his priests, his presbyterate. The ministry which Christ's emissaries do and give by God's grace, what they cannot do and give by their own power is called a sacrament by the church's tradition. Indeed, the ministry of the church is conferred by a special sacrament called holy orders. Right? Mm-hmm. So the idea that this is something that comes to us, we do not produce this. Yeah. We are not the authors of salvation. We are recipients of a great gift of no merit of ours. Right? It's right. God in his mercy who looks on us. And the Catholic doctrine is that the prevenient grace can never be merited can never be married. It always comes as a gift. Yeah. So, um, and the other is, um, 
from um, again from Mediator Dei, I believe, is the, and this is this is the doctrine of the of the sacrifice of the mass. The august sacrifice of the altar then is no mere empty commemoration of the passion. We're not just like bringing to mind. Um, the bringing to mind in the Jewish tradition, um, you know, which is incorporated in the liturgy, the anamnensis, the recalling, is something like that in the Passover. It sort of makes present the reality yeah. that was that is being remembered, and not just in a mental ghostly way, but we would argue in a different way, a sacramental way. Um, is not an empty commemoration of the passion and death of Jesus Christ, but a true and proper act of sacrifice, whereby the high priest by an unbloody immolation, offers himself a most acceptable victim to the Eternal Father as he did upon the cross. It is the one, it is one and the same victim, the same person now offers it by the ministry of his priests, who then offered himself on the cross. The manner of offering alone being different. This is the teaching of the Council of Trent. That is that one sacrifice that is made present now and offered in a sacramental way. The priest is the same, Jesus Christ, whose sacred person his minister represents. Now the minister, by the reason of his sacerdotal consecration, which he has received, is made like to the high priest and possess the power of performing actions in virtue of Christ's very person. Right? So again, that's where in persona Christi comes yeah. to apply. Yeah, and I, I think it's important because I, <laughs> I, well, I've done it myself as a Protestant, I would read bits and pieces of Correct. the catechism and I'd read certain paragraphs. It's like, aha. Yeah. And I would go, I gotcha. And so that's, you know, the second paragraph that you read there I would, that would be a part where I would read. Be like, oh, it's saying there he's offering multiple sacrifices. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But and we, I would say, look at, look at what he's saying about how good the priest is and how big and important mm-hmm. he is. But if you read that paragraph that you read before and mm-hmm. that says that all of these prevenient graces that <coughs> you have to be given, uh, none of these are, are flowing from, you know, Father so-and-so, because Father so-and-so in and of himself is so great and Correct. wonderful. Right. Uh, these are all things that are, that are flow, these are coming from God uh, himself. Yeah, and I think going back earlier, we talked about, um, you know, even a priest who is in mortal sin, and the, the, the this is a guarantee, and this was a big, big controversy in the early church, really, I think from the 4th century, especially on Augustine had a huge problem with the group called the Donatists. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them. No. But basically, after the persecutions, there was this idea uh, that those Christians um, uh, and those priests who had who had lapsed, who had uh, you know basically f- given in, right, and had apostatized, say, um, that. After the persecution is over, the church has established that those priests uh, do not have the power of the sacrament anymore, that they cannot validly confect the Eucharist, they cannot validly ordain, and so on, and that the priest must be a pure instrument. Right? He ha- So, in a sense, the efficacy of the sacrament depended on the personal holiness of the minister. Ah, right. And there was a whole schism that went on at least for, and went on for a while, it died out several Decades, maybe even centuries after Augustine, but Augustine was the one who gives us the best sort of example, um, the best controversy over, because you had you had Catholic churches, you had Donatist churches, and they were anyway. That's a, that's another separate topic, um, but the the teaching of the church that was that developed in response to that is that 
the efficacy of the sacrament is done by the work that is done. Yeah. So by the work worked is the is the phrase ex opero okay. operato, right? And so that guarantees that the priest, unworthy as he might be, in doing what the church asks him to do, confecting the sacrament, the Eucharist, or absolving or baptizing and so on by the very action that he does guarantees the grace that comes right yeah. so he is a guaranteed instrument which is which is i think a great assurance to to the faithful we oh, don't have yeah. to worry about like you know <laughs> what was father up to yeah right? yeah that, that's what i was just thinking is yeah. you know that it, as a as, as a lay person it, it is nice to to have that confidence that you know i don't i don't have to worry about what you've done or mm-hmm. what you haven't done mm-hmm. or, or how you're living your life or how you're not as, as you should, you know, cause it, it, not that it doesn't matter, but it, in the sense of, well, is this, is he really acting in persona Christi? I don't know what he did the three days before. Correct. Right. Yeah. I, you know, because I can trust that God is, has given you his grace and that God is actively working through you because he's promised this through mm-hmm. the, the, um, what is it? I'm drawing a blank. Um, coming down from the twelve apostles, the apostolic succession. Yes, <laughs> you know that, and, and I know that, uh, and that's one of the things that kind of drew drew me to the church is is I started to see, oh well, you know, it. Jesus established a church, and it was very Catholic for fifteen hundred years, and. So we can see apostolic succession for these fifteen hundred years, and Jesus made a promise that he would be with his church until the end of the age, right. and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Um, and so, you know, I, that's like people will say, "Oh, well, why do you have so much faith in these people and this church and the Pope?" And and it's it, the same thing as here is, well, I don't have faith in, oh, Father G is is good. I know he's a good guy. Which I think you're a good guy, but <laughs> thank you. I, you know, but, I, but that that's not the reason why the mass that I or any other priest says is the mass, right? Exactly, right. So yeah, because I I can look back to the promises of of God and the promises of Jesus and go, okay, well, I'm holding on to these promises, mm-hmm. maybe through you and and yes, through the church, mm-hmm. um, but I I don't stop at you or Correct. I don't stop at the church or I don't stop at Pope Francis. Right. Um, and that that's always a danger in every every group, right? There's a yeah. possibility of cult of personality. I don't think the Protestant churches are immune from that. Um, and uh, it certainly occurs in its own way in, in Catholic churches, right? People gravitate as like, oh, I like his mass or I like his preaching and so I'm going to go there. Or, not, or, if, I'm, if, or if I'm not going to go there, I'm not going to go at all, which sort of then, right, you know, is like, who, who are you worshiping? Right. right. So, but there's a, there's a other side of the coin of the ex opere operato. That is the grace is guaranteed through the work worked. And so the worthiness of the minister doesn't come into it. At the same time, the fruit, how fruitful the reception of that sacrament depends on two things. Uh, One is the disposition of the faithful person, Mm -hmm. right? The, The person who comes up. If the person himself is in a state of sin, while he's drinking or eating condemnation, right? Right. As St. Paul says. Um, But even otherwise, if he's lukewarm in his faith, that grace has a certain effect, but but it won't bear the full fruit because fruit is a result of our cooperation with grace. 
and how well we are disposed to receive the the and that goes into a whole gamut of of everything right if someone who comes um who's a you know a lukewarm catholic um uh doesn't you know maybe shows up christmas easter whatever it might be is going to have a different kind of an effect and fruitfulness of that eucharist in his life or her life than someone who's a disciple who who strives for holiness who um loves loves the poor who tries and forgives who lives a life of virtue right mm. and so the power of each of of the sacramental grace goes further in a sense because of all the and again this is very different it's not because of the good works because of the because of the way this person has prepared to receive and that itself is an act of grace yeah itself right in the cooperation of grace um and same with the minister right and this is where there is an instinct that the Catholic have, which is why we're at one level gravitating only to the personality or person of one priest or another is, is discouraged, especially when it becomes like this chasing after personality or, or you know, charis, charismatic in the colloquial sense, like, you know, he's a charismatic person, mm. um, right? But more, the holier the priest is, the more efficacious the fruit will be of his ministry. Right. Um, today is the feast of um, uh, Padre Pio. Yeah. Yeah. And good Lord, there's a difference. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's a difference between like, you know, plain old Father G and Padre Pio. And not just because of the mystical graces that he received. But he was a holy man. Mm-hmm. And people came for that holiness. And so that is... Um, that is an aspect that's that's real. That it's not, and it's not that. And the holiness is basically his conformity or her conformity to Christ. That Christ is more alive in him or her, and each of us does that in a unique way. And so, um, God wants to give certain graces through the fruitful, efficacious um, ministry of His ministers. And that's why each of us, his ministers, priests, bishops, and deacons, we should always strive for holiness and not just settle for mediocrity, right. which is always the human tendency for everybody, right? For all the faithful. Yeah. It's like, just let's just settle for the minimum. It's just like, you know, no, there's this constant striving, yeah. constant striving. So, and uh, uh, the more I think the priest exhorts his people, urges them to strive for holiness, um, the more alive Christ is in in them and therefore in the world. Yeah. And therefore in the world. And, and there's so much power in that. Yeah. 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 So. Well, thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I also want to say another thank you to Father Gorov or Father G for coming in and doing this episode. I think it was really good to help explain, you know, a little bit more what the priest is doing uh, when the priest is acting in the person of Christ the head. Uh, So, yeah, if you enjoyed this episode, please like it, rate it, review it, comment on it, share, whatever you can do to help uh, this podcast grow i would greatly appreciate it because i think this information is helpful for others to have so uh, thank you again for listening i appreciate you and may god bless you and i will continue to pray for you